American Roadrunner podcast. Yep, glad y'all could join us here today on this, the American Roadrunner podcast. Here we share stories from the road on our two-wheeled motorcycles and all the good, bad, and ugly stories that come with the open road. I'm your host, Bob Marshall, fellow wrencher, rider, racer, and author of the book American Roadrunner. And I'm your co-host, Brian. You can find us online at AmericanRoadRunnerTheBook.com. This podcast is coming to you from AmericanRoadRunnerPodcast.com. You can find the book American Roadrunner by Bob Marshall. Now that's American Road Runner. Facebook at American Roadrunner the book. That's two words, Road Runner. On Instagram, American Roadrunner, that's all one word. And our email is American Roadrunner the book at Gmail. Dot com. Dot com. That's a lot of American Roadrunners you threw at us. Yeah. Again, we appreciate it. <laughs> uh, today on this episode, we're pretty excited to bring you a guest. One Mr. Jake with the Flying Dutchman Company. He is a builder, fabricator, instructor, craftsman, and artist of all good things metal. Today our topic's going to simply be based around how to make it yourself and all the cool things that Jake does. We do have a Patreon account. Don't be afraid to check it out. We are brought to you today by also Ride 1K in a Day, which is a wonderful organization that challenges you to ride a thousand miles in a day. Yeah, 1K in a day. Now, Bob, how long does it take you to ride 1K in a day? I mean, <laughs> you, some people might think that it takes you more than a day to ride 1K, but like seriously, how long does it take for you to drive a motorcycle a thousand miles? Well, I like to refer to it as piloting a motorcycle. That way, if you got someone on the back, they're the pilotier. Now, this is a great argument that I shifted (laughs) gears on that some people have. But the answer is pilot and pilotier. Go figure. Uh, That way, when I'm navigator. Well, when you pilot, yeah, you're the navigator. I guess for some people, their GPS units are the navigators. Mm. But I, I just thought, as far as terms, like you got the pilot and the navigator, and it's just one of those things. But pilotier, what does that even mean? What does it come from? It means when I jump on the back of a woman's motorcycle, I am not the bitch. I am the pilotier. That's all it means. <laughs> okay. That's, that's good <laughs> So all men and women everywhere join me in the movement known as pilot and pilotier. Right. It may not catch on. We never know. But <laughs> it just may not be cool enough. Anytime, uh, I'll tell you, anytime I... Uh, I'm a big fan of what Curtis Morgan does with Ride 1K in a Day. He's the gentleman who puts on, you can find him on Instagram or Facebook, and it's just a self-challenge for you to ride a 1,000 miles on your motorcycle in a day. He's getting it set up where it's pretty easy. You just take pictures of your receipts to prove that you're moving and going, your fuel receipts, and... uh He's actually got some exciting news soon. He's going to have like an app coming out. So you can do it all via app. That'd be fun. So I'm pretty excited for this podcast to be in cohorts with one Mr. Curtis Morgan and Rad 1K in a day. Uh, personally, yeah, I've, I've done it a lot. Uh, I even uh, rode his challenge once with my dad as pilotier. Of course, my dad was uh, sitting in the saddlebag ashed up in a box but uh they were kind enough to uh, give all the certificates and patches and everything to my pops so that worked out really well um i I think the answer to your question is it just depends on the roads that you're on a lot of people um 
tend to not relax as much as they could when they're riding on a motorcycle. Here in the Southwest, the interstates are pretty open. It's real easy to jump on an interstate and get from A to B pretty fast. Uh, you're stopping every 120, 150 miles, depending on your motorcycle to refuel. I always enjoy the eight minute stops. Uh, that's just my personal time stopped. How fast can I stop? I usually pull up, put gas in the darn thing. Then I push it over to a parking spot and uh, that way I can go inside, get some coffee, use the restroom, add oil, the, you know, whatever bike I'm riding on, it depends. I know when I did the Ride 1K in a day, of course, I did it on my pop scoot. And I started here in Riverside at like 6 or 7 a.m. And uh, I should have started earlier at 4 a.m. But uh, And I went up to uh, Colorado. I just hit up the 15 and made a ride at the 70. And I ended up actually down in Colorado Springs, uh, which was kind of a cool place where my pops and I had talked about visiting. It's the uh, site that uh, Tesla had his uh, laboratory on there in Colorado Springs, right Great under Pax Beat. Yeah, it was it was cool to be there. And it ended up being somewhere around 1,100 miles. But regardless, I think I did it in 16 or 17 hours, 16.45 or 17, I don't know, somewhere around there. Hmm. It's not that the numbers aren't important. I just forget them. So, and most of my motorcycles don't have speedometers and stuff on them. So I really don't know what the mileage is. I just kind of guess as I go, but here in the Southwest of our wonderful American United States, we're pretty lucky to have a lot of open highways. Cause if you're stuck up somewhere in Minnesota, <laughs> There's a lot of small towns. Minnesota. So Minnesota. Yeah, it's real hard to get from A to B without hitting a small town every 30 miles. But <laughs> You don't have a speedometer? Mm, no, no. I don't. Yeah, so, yeah. So what do you do? Do you, do, you, uh, do you count like uh, telephone poles? <laughs> you know, as you drive by, you count the seconds between them and you just kind of gauge it. I'm going 30 count, knots. <laughs> count looks from the officers. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Um, no, yeah, it's pretty easy. I mean, we've all spent our whole lives doing the speed limit. There's always surrounding traffic. Mostly I'm interested in how the bike's doing, how the mm. engine feels, how the road feels on the bike. So the speedometer is kind of second nature, but I always do my best to keep it under the speed limit. Okay. That may be, I, I should put that in quotations, Fair keep enough. it around the speed limit. I, I go into great description about it in my book, how I do all this, just yeah. in case. The book may be a bit more of a how-to guide than more of anything, but uh, the book was real exciting to write. It was nice to give away all my secrets in that, which was the chopper race known as the Stampede. So, And that book, again, is... American Roadrunner by Bob Marshall. Yeah, got it on Amazon. And, and it's out now. We're excited, actually. Uh, by the time this book comes out, it'll be pretty exciting because it'll be probably a week or so before we actually do the paperback book launch. I made sure just to print it in paperback. Mm. I didn't want some big, expensive hardcover. I wanted something that's nice and small. It kind of looks like an old Western. So you're doing an actual book launch. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Where, where, where are you going to be signing oh. books? Yeah, we're going to be doing that the first Thursday of February over at uh, Back to the Grind Coffee House on University. In Riverside, California. Here in Riverside, California. Yeah. We're pretty excited. You I know, think that's, that's going to be during uh, Arts Walk. So, you know, right. come to buy the book and come check out all the other cool stuff going on downtown. Yeah, downtown turns into a big local artist affair on yeah. the first Thursday of every month. So I'm pretty excited to be a part of that. Heck yeah. Releasing a book, hanging out, drinking coffee enjoying uh, i think it'll be a great party i'm pretty excited i'll be there as well it'll be good to have you there yeah good coffee 
And now our favorite part of the programming. Well, okay, maybe my favorite part of the programming. From the my Road Songs playlist that I list in the book, this is a great song by one of my favorite bands, Wicked Twisted Road by Reckless Kelly. Enjoy. And then comes a little mandolin. <laughs> I don't even remember how I found these guys. This is a great band from uh, Oklahoma. Red Dirt Road. Red Dirt Songs, I think, is the name of this album. Anyways, one of my favorite bands. I just love hauling butt down the highway with all the undulation and vibrations and noise and hearing good stuff like this in the background. It's good traveling music. It's, it's very purdy. Purdy, purdy road music. I'm excited. Anyways, thanks for letting me share. And you know, as a guitar player, that reminded me of the melody-picking songs I used to play in high school when I was trying to woo the, the girls. And, you know, uh, it was <laughs> playing, playing guitar at a campfire when you're trying to mac on a girl is kind of like bringing a, bringing a gun to a knife fight, as they would say. Well, this this is a good this is a good one because it would just remind the ladies that you're all about the road and they better ride pilotier, mm-hmm. jump on their own scoots, or accept the fact you're going to be out there while they're home. Whatever works. So it's a good song to bring them in for the kiss and then push them away at the same time. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Look, woman, I can love you, but only for a minute. Uh, exactly, because <laughs> it's all about the scoots and the open road. Our guest, Mr. Jake. Glad to have you here, sir. How the heck are you? Good evening. Doing well. Very well. Yeah, this Friday evening, Riverside, <laughs> California, the Flying Marshall Laboratory. <laughs> so is that a combination of, of the Marshall Laboratory and the Flying Dutchman? That would be good. Yeah. Flying Marshall, name of my <laughs> race team for land speed and all the other weird racing I do. So yes, laboratory thereof, <laughs> aka my dining room. There it is. <laughs> We turned it into an iSound studio. It's working. It's quaint. Thanks for having me. Yeah, how was your drive up? It was good. Yeah? I drove up this morning. I heard you had some law enforcement issues earlier oh, in the fun. day. Yeah. Earlier in the week, maybe, as well. Well, that too. Let's hear about the new ride. We're going to talk about cars for a second, people. Bear uh, with us. Yeah, okay. Um, I bought a $500 Jap Economy shitbox. Nice. <laughs> Every man needs. I own a few Hondas. I get that. it. Little rice burner. I mean, Honda yeah. motorcycles. No, I mean, I get 37 miles to the gallon in town. It's like my Goldwing. Um, <laughs> driving like an a-hole. So, um, no, I was uh, I was headed back from the hardware store. And uh, I'm in the parking lot still. And I see this this cruiser pull up right into my rear view mirror. Nice. Oh, Okay. You mean business. So I uh, I proceed on after the little old lady crosses the road in front of me. And I So she's uh, like jaywalking. Well no, was she's there? just leaving the grocery store and going in yeah. to her car. Yeah. And uh, so he lit me up, I pull over and then he proceeds to tell me 
how very stolen my car looks. And nice. I'm well aware that nice. it is multicolored and, and from 1987 and, nice. you know, all the rattling, noisy things about it. Um, but yeah, it was just, uh, it was an eye opener because it was like, have you ever been arrested? I was like, what? <laughs> it's like, so he says, have you ever been arrested? I said, uh, not on this continent. And he says, what? And I say, just a joke, just a joke. <laughs> there's a good story. <laughs> you know, yeah. th- there's a, yeah, it, it's a joke, but it, it may or may not be true. Um, so then it was, do you have any warrants? And I say, oh, my lawyer took care of that as far <laughs> as I know. And then it was, so got any drugs in the car, any weapons? It's like, well, you know, I, I bought the car for $500 off of a tweaker who needed money, which is the truth, straight up. Um, and uh, so then it was, did he leave any meth in the car? I was like, uh, no, I'm not. No, I'm really hoping not. You know, so I for a moment I was I was kind of worried. Um, and so yeah, I ended up having a, a lovely conversation with uh, with an officer for maybe 20 minutes, while a couple other patrol cars showed up, and um, they all asked me the same questions basically. <laughs> Looking and for I, holes in your story. Yeah, they're you know, they want a new answer that they can they can single out. But um but yeah, we had a good time, great conversation, and uh I just kinda joked my way out of it. So that that's the first time I've ever talked my way out of a ticket. Um didn't have to show them your tits or anything. No, I mean my tits <laughs> just aren't big enough. No. So I it's that doesn't work. Not. Yeah. Um I'm pretty fit, but they're just not big enough. Yeah. Um they, uh, yeah, they were just, they just couldn't get over the aesthetic of the car. You know how, how oh, crusty yeah. it is. No, my motorcycles look the same. I get pulled over for similar reasons. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was Tuesday evening. And this morning on the way to the metal yard to, to pick up some metal for my planishing hammer project. Um, yeah, I got lit up again and he was, he was kind of impatient. And we were on the overpass at uh, at Nordahl in the 78. And so I, I pulled over. I'm like looking at the traffic go by underneath. And uh, I grab my paperwork and I'm just laughing because I'm like, I've gotten over my fear of, of cops all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. It's like I talked my way out of it once. Like, what's the worst that could happen, you know? Yeah. What are they going to give me a ticket for? No front license plate? Yeah. Because that's... Like that's all You're they big have, fraction now, right? Um, so it's just an invitation now, and so I invite them to have a conversation, and so I can work on my stand-up. You know, there you go. I'm trying to turn it <laughs> into a joke. Um, but yeah, he comes up, and I tell him what's going on, and tell him how I fixed my mirror, and that's why the last officer on Tuesday pulled me over, and that it looked like the car was being stripped. As yeah. we speak, you know, from a stolen perspective. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, talked my way out of another one. Cool. And uh, let's just see how it goes. Let it ride. Well done, sir. Man, I have some terrible cop stories. Really messed up cop stories. That's I work for- with cops every day, so I, I stories are what they are. You yeah. Know? Ah, they're just human beings trying that'll, to do. That'll a be job, another podcast. Can, we can. Yeah, we, can we do can, a whole podcast on can, cop stories. <laughs> 
Yeah, Maybe two. Could. Yeah, we could. Maybe a series. Yeah. Limited edition. <laughs> Maybe an entire season. Yeah. A few hundred. Yeah. yeah. I'll have to pull out the filing cabinet on that. I wouldn't mind starting at the beginning, Jake. Let's okay. talk about how you got into all the good things you do in the Flying Dutchman Company. All right. Um, the Flying Dutchman Company began in 2012 uh, with a, a Ferrari restoration job. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I was in a in a different world for a while. I guess it started uh, sooner than that. I didn't just, you know, decide to restore a Ferrari one day. Or I, uh, I was 19. I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. I, that's the thing about kids these days. I graduated high school in 2002. Yeah. And the pressure to choose a degree, even back then, was huge. So I thought I wanted to be something, and when it came down to signing on the line for a giant amount of debt, I I didn't bite. Yeah. And yeah, uh, me so I was kind of lost. Yeah. Um, everyone else, I felt, had a direction and a clear path. And um, so I went to the local community college and uh, got kicked out of some classes for talking, that kind of stuff. And um, yeah. It uh, it wasn't going anywhere, so I decided to jump into what was interesting to me at the time, which was metalwork. I took a Gene Winfield metal shaping class out nice. in the desert. Nice, yeah, Gene's a saint. Yeah, Gene the machine. Um, so I did that. I got a job at a dune buggy shop in Escondido. I worked for Jeff Davis, uh, Precision Metalcraft, and um, I did that for about a year. And I stumbled into a job, uh, metal shaper job, at uh, Allen Taylor Company. And I walked in the back, and they're restoring a 1937 Bugatti Type 57 supercharged mm. roadster. And I just lost my mind. Nice. Um, so I started working there. And it was interesting to me because... I'd been going to car shows and and all that kind of typical cruise night stuff and just I saw the same cars every week. Yeah. And I could name them. I knew, you know, what the motors looked like. Yeah. I knew what the parts looked like in the catalogs. I'd talked to the old boys. I'd figured out, you know, all the stuff. And it just became routine. Yeah. It's like the same song over and over on the radio. So I wanted something interesting and different and um, a major corrupter in my life, uh, Dave Eltholtz, had built a Model T roadster from scratch. Uh-huh. And so I met him at one of these cruise nights and his car was like nothing else I had seen. Um, and he turned me on to coach building. Um, and that's what, that's what really got me started in metal shaping. That's right. why I took the, the metal shaping class from Gene. Um, so I got this job um, sweeping floors and making taillight brackets and eventually working up nice. to little chrome trim pieces and here boy weld this uh, weld, you know yeah. like, all on bodies uh, yeah so every day I would weld uh, in the back room at, at Allen Taylor Company and I got to perfect um, my techniques and learn a lot and um yeah, I did that for I don't know, maybe six years. 
my boss decided to move the business to Texas. Um, I said, uh, see you later. <laughs> and thanks, um, but Austin, Texas yeah. ain't the place for me. It was Austin, right? Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He went to Austin. I hear it's a cool place. I've never been. Yeah. Um, I decided to jump off cliffs in Norway. So I did that. Hence instead. the flying Dutchman. Yeah. Man. I went to Europe for the summer when I quit that job. <laughs> well, cause the job was intense. Yeah. I was so hungry for knowledge. I was working 60, 70 plus hours a week for yeah. seven years in a row. And, um, so yeah, I went to Europe. Um, I got an apartment in Amsterdam. I met my family roots. Um, went to Norway, went base jumping. That's, that's part of the nickname. Jumping off of a perfectly good base. Yeah. So, uh, like there's nothing wrong with it. You can stand there and hang out all day, but you right. jump off of you it. You could just be a hiker. Right. <laughs> or you could just jump off. Hanging I'd rather, out. I'd rather do that than the whole rubber band bungee cord thing. Yeah, know? that's I'd rather sketch. jump off completely, not have I, to, like, uh, Listen, I'm going to tell I, I read books about scuba diving and World War II submarine. I would never do any of that, but boy, I love the stories <laughs> of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't mind racing beat up old machines I put together myself across country, but you're not going to catch me jumping off of a perfectly good base. <laughs> good yeah, on you, sir. Uh, it's a mental exercise to say the least. So I did that for summer, came back, was looking for an aerospace job and, um, got offered the Ferrari restoration. And I went from there. I got a building put together. I cleaned up all my tools that I had put in storage. I went and bought more tools and more tools and more tools. And more tools. It's that's the only complaint I have is you're never done buying tools because there's always a new job that you need a new tool for how exciting though (laughs) well yeah it it is fun and exciting and creative and expensive very that snap-on truck shows up yeah damn it i've been lured into that (laughs) inviting place it's like a strip club they have the lights down low there's air conditioning smells good Uh uh-huh yeah it's dangerous get out of there it's very exciting um so yeah, I, I built cars for a few years, um, tried a thing in Vegas that bombed completely. It happens. Yeah. Although that was a time we ran the last stampede, I think, yeah. 2015. That was quite the compliment. I know we all woke up and got ready to race, and all of a sudden there you were standing in that front of me. Fun. What a great compliment. Yeah, <laughs> I slept in the back of my car in the back parking lot of an IHOP right. in Barstow. Right, Barstow, yeah. right. That was yeah, killer. You just hopped down from Vegas just to watch the start of the race. Right next to the thermometer, huh? Yeah. Well, no, that's Baker. <laughs> oh, that's Baker. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's Baker. Yeah, yeah this was Barstow. The other desert <laughs> town, yeah. Yeah. Barstow. Right. Baker, Barstow. So that was, that was really fun to watch you guys all take off. Well, we could talk about that. Tell us about your feeling on it. Ever seen such crazy mayhem? Well, I want to do it. You know, You're ready? base jumping's kind of cool, but... yeah. The whole cross-country race that's i kind of have a similar ambition except instead of left to right i'd like to go from bottom to top i'd like to do from tj to vancouver island mm. yeah i bought a domain name bandit 1000 nice maybe it'll be something someday i don't know it's a good idea well yeah. there's all sorts of exciting i'm looking at the tat right now myself the trans-american trail getting across country mostly off-road i figure my honda rebels up for it okay so. and there's been all sorts of exciting 
Well, even the new Cannonball coming out in a year and a half. Uh, F-Bomb just put his, uh, I'm sorry, my good friend and fellow racer, my best friend, F-Bomb just put his name in the hat to do the cross-country Cannonball race, which is uh, all motorcycles that are between 80 and 100, 120 years old. And they're going to start at the top in Maine and then come all the way down to the bottom of Texas, Brownsville, Texas, I think. Very cool. Yeah, so it's all, there's so many ways you can do it. The stampede itself just happened to go left to right, but yeah, there's a lot more exciting ways to do it and have a good time on the open road. Good for you. Yeah, um, that was always the ambition after... Uh, after meeting Dave Eltholtz, the guy with that crazy Model T he built yeah, from scratch. Yeah, Because I say from scratch, and I mean from scratch. Right. Like he built the totally. door latches, right. the door hinges, the radiator. He built everything. Mm-hmm. The body is all his. It's amazing. Um, and he drives that thing like no one else. He drives right. like a Stampeder. Right, right. So he's got, I don't know, 80,000 miles on that thing. Jeez Louise. It's got really tall gears. It's got yeah. a three-speed manual transmission. And he just cruises just 80 or 90. It. That's and killer. He's getting he's getting up there in age now, so he's not doing his doing his thing as hard, but the things and the stories he's told me about, it's just it's always been an ambition to do the long distance thing. Yeah. You know, I I drove my three series BMW to, to Canada and it was like super easy. Yeah. And I've always wanted to do something similar. Uh, on a bike. Well, you got that nice BMW scoot you're building on right now. We're working on that. We're always working on that. <laughs> that thing's exciting. That thing's yeah. so exciting. Yeah, it's uh 84 R100 uh, RS. Yeah. Uh, stretch the swing arm. I'm putting a turbo on it. Made a new uh, subframe for it. Uh, put some dirt bike bars on it. Monoshock. Yeah. We're in. It, so it was a uh, dual shock, uh, but I got a modern... Ducati Dival rear shock and I put that on there when I stretch the swing arm. I'm just such a fan of all the good work you do, Jake. Well, thank I you. know I've just gotten a few pieces myself from you, but it's always exciting to see what you're doing, which is great on your Instagram. All I was your just stories. gonna mention that. Yeah. I, I'm looking at some of the pictures on your in- Instagram, which by the way, if Nuts. you're listening to the podcast and you can look at the Instagram at the same time, it's the Flying Dutchman Co. All one word, the Flying Dutchman Co. And what I'm looking at right now is something you, I guess you lovingly call the Brocoma, but it doesn't oh. look anything like a Tacoma. Yeah. Tell well, us about it was that. A, it was a Tacoma. <laughs> um, it was born a Tacoma. Yeah, it was born a Tacoma. It's just a first gen single cab, two wheel drive Tacoma. And um, I just, it was rolled and I. I didn't want to fix it. I wanted to make something new, make something fresh. Hmm. And um, as as far as the metal work goes, what I'm, what I guess, what I'm most interested in now is uh, more of original works. Uh, I started out in auto restoration. And yeah. The trick about auto restoration is is to be a ghost. Yeah. Uh, it's you know if you do a fantastic job, no one knows you were there. Um, so it's thankless in that regard. Um, but as far as original works, um, I'd like to have some kind of impact and leave something behind. Um, something that says that it was me, you know, when you hear ACDC on the radio, you know who it is. Yeah, you do. Um, That signature. When you see the Mona Lisa, you know who painted it. Um, so when you see the Brocoma, 
or any of the other crazy aluminum things that I, I have in the queue, um, I want you to know it's me. Um, the Brocoma's got this really industrial, stamped, raw aesthetic. Um, and I, I use a variety of tools and, and techniques to do that. But that's that's my thing I'm working on right now. It's not bead rolled. It's it's pressed. It's kind of stamped. Hashtag Jake make. Oh, that, that too. Yeah. <laughs> Been doing what? some classes lately as well. Yeah. This year I started up... Um, I've got a welding class and then two tiers of, of metal shaping classes. Um, wow. I've got an intro to TIG and an intro metal shaping five-hour class. What is TIG? Uh, tungsten dun, dun, dun. inert gas. I would like, never guess that. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's aerospace welding, basically. Yeah. Oh, like NASA well, stuff. Kind of, yeah. I mean, you can weld all sorts of stuff with it. You can. It's the most versatile that's why I wanted yeah, to Yeah, I got a nice 220 Miller TIG welder in my garage I stole from my dad a few there years you go. ago. <laughs> Although I, I didn't pay for it. Yeah. I just kind of... he said, stolen. Yeah, I was like, hey, can I borrow this? And my dad, may he ride in peace. Yeah. I think uh, you got one of his... You got his Bridgeport, don't I do you? I have the Bridgeport. Yeah, that was yeah. pretty exciting. It was nice. Uh, Luckily, I paid it off in time. You paid... He, you know, he was a big fan of yours. I mean, I hope you know. He uh, liked to chat about the cool things you were doing. And I know you all had a few good conversations. My dad was uh, big on making thermoforming machines, programming them, engineering them. And him being the older guy that he was, he was always happy to tell us young guys what we were doing wrong. Yeah. You know, that was always very <laughs> yeah. exciting. But, uh, yeah, we have a saying in our family. If your name is Bob Marshall and your name is uh, Flying Dutchman Jake, your credit's good with us. So, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that was that, that was a really good one, man. I'm glad you got to hang out with him yeah, a few weeks it was before good. he passed. I think uh, we were out land speed racing. Yeah, yeah. I saw him at El Mirage. And That's right. I put the money in his hand. He was like, cool. for me? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I owe you, remember? <laughs> well, that was a good one, too. I remember you handed me a few dollars, and I called my dad. He's like, oh, yeah, well, uh, just keep it. I think I owe you a few dollars. Anyways. Oh, there it is. So, yeah, there was always... Yeah. My dad and I were always real good at throwing money between each other, but regardless, he was a big fan of yours. So we can go, we can do a whole series on my pops in the future too, right up there with, <laughs> but I was a big fan of the man. So yeah. Yeah. regardless, Jake, good to have you here. So Thank you. what's the future hold? Um, right now, the focus is less restoration, more original works. Um, got a little side hustle with the classes. That's fun. Yeah. New people. The, the fun thing about that, it's it's like the motorcycle shows. Right. When you go to a motorcycle show, it's the most interesting and most interested people. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's who shows up. Right. That's who shows up to the, to the uh, that's who shows up to the classes. Um, they're super interested. They're super engaged. And they come from everywhere. Uh, I had a guy show up last week from New York. Holy uh, heck. Yeah. He, he was, he didn't just come out for my class, but. He worked it into his his time out here. That's great. But um, but yeah, I'm building up the shop to accommodate more. Oh, it looks glorious. Places yeah, it looks for, glorious. for people to do work. Yeah, so that I can have like a real metal shaping class down in San Marcos. Glorious remodel job you did there. Thank you. Yeah, I've, I've been planning for 2019 since February of 2018. That's bitching. <laughs> it's been a lot of work. That's so bitchin'. You know, you mentioned um, doing your own work right now and doing some original stuff. I'm looking at some pictures on your Instagram, and I see this 
awesome monster truck looking thing with a, oh. with a Mercedes emblem <laughs> on it. Yeah. Now, now my question is this. Okay, it, it, it looks awesome. I, w- I want to ride in it. And it does look like a Mercedes monster truck. But where's the line? Because if you're working on original stuff and you've got something with the Mercedes emblem on it, when does it become just an original Dutchman? And when is it a Mercedes that you put some Dutchman stuff into? The old Unimog. I don't know. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a 63... 404 Unimog uh, Swiss Troop Carrier. That's a smaller one of the Swiss Troop Unimogs, Yeah, right? it was, yeah. it's got power brakes for all the extra weight. It had yeah. uh, a big cargo cover in the back for the guys. It had bench seats. And I think originally the Unimogs were really used in the farming communities in Europe. Exactly. Yeah. Post-war. Potato. Uh, Germany was all about agriculture. Exactly. That's what they were allowed to do. Right. And they even had like PTOs hanging off of them. Right. So you could plug this in one does have right. a PTO on it. I've seen one other one. Now that I've, I look at it, I saw people doing wine tours with those things. Oh, yeah. 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 No, down down where I'm at, San Marcos, Escondido area, um, there are beer tours with Unimogs and Pinscours running around. That's cool. Yeah, that so you'll cool. see him running about. I had sex on one once in Austin, Texas. That's another <laughs> story. I thought you were talking about some other kind of Unimog having sex. No, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was great. I'm a big fan of Unimogs. <laughs> Mogs are fun. Mogs yeah, are fun. well done. Um, yeah, I don't know when it becomes a... Uh, that. That's kind of the idea for the Brocoma thing, is uh, that whole stamped metal aesthetic product mm-hmm. thing trying to produce a package that goes with uh, that truck. Um, there's like this intermediate area between like a side-by-side Razor dune buggy thing right, right. and a Raptor. Right, so, exactly. you know, they're all toys. Um, so this 30 grand to, to 80 grand range, I think the Brocoma could fit in there. Agreed. Um, and it could be totally cleaned up. Um, to made into this in epic adventure vehicle. Oh, I um, agree. I'm gonna put it's a. a uh, I'm gonna base. use a, a rooftop tent as the roof. Cool for cool. this one. Um, this won't won't be a truck. It'll be more like a an old school Bronco or a Landy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so it won't have a separate bed. You'll be able to hop out of the seat and and get into the into the camper. Hmm. You know, if it's snowing outside or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's, if, if the Flying Dutchman company was ever like Icon 4x4 or Hennessy or, you know, Shelby, that's, that's when it would become. Yeah. Like I I saw a picture of, uh, this one car that I couldn't even identify what originally it was. It was a Frankenstein looking thing with your metal panel doors that you've been talking about. And that looks awesome. Who, who was your... Who is your primary customer? Who would who would get that? Like, who's listening right now that you can say, "Hey, I'm gonna do this for you, and it's gonna be the best damn, you know, done for you vehicle." Exactly. Like, who who is listening right now that is going to DM you on your Instagram at the Flying Dutchman Co. until you make me this product? Um, I'd say the uh, the early middle aged. Adventurer, adventurist, yeah, the man looking for adventure. What kind or of woman? What kind of car would he already have that you would like dream of? Like just putting some of of your work into your signature work. What car would you love to work on? A Prius. Well, a Prius. <laughs> it's a Prius. That's, I know it's a Prius. Yeah, work on well, it. Well, the, 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 the CRX is the precursor yeah, to the that's Prius. Right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Um. I thought about doing like, uh, 
carbon fiber bodies for for Teslas. Sure, sure. I thought that would be fun to make a two door version. The other day, that that looks yeah. cool. So you do what well, kind of thing it, would you do with that? It's like a skateboard platform. Oh, you know? okay. Motor in the front, in between the axles. Motor in the rear, between the axles. And the batteries. Batteries are oh, okay. along the floor. So it's like a like a Type One VW, like right, a bug. Right. So the body comes off, and there's a pan. So I always thought it would be neat to to pull the body off and make my own carbon fiber body. Whoa. But I'm pushing the whole aluminum aesthetic right now. So yeah, I think I'm just you. gonna run with it's that. Gorgeous. The the Toyota stuff. There's so much brand loyalty and engineering Amen. that's already there that mm-hmm. I can work from. Um, so I'm gonna keep pushing in that direction. Yeah, and I never Good hear about you. anybody modifying toyota trucks or toyota like vehicles like that you know they usually go for the old stuff and what i see that you've done with the uh the brocoma it's something else i can't wait to see more of those and i hope it catches on i hope you get more more people with that, so. that aesthetic you know yeah the the whole idea but behind that was uh, trying to get more away from the the one-off crazy super intricate custom stuff um, but still have it be a quality item, uh, handmade, handcrafted, um, something that I could reproduce. You know, when I when I work on Johan's Lotus Seven, right, you know, I do right. the one thing, the one time for the one guy. Right, that's uh, a hard one. And then we move on, and uh, I usually have to split the profit between me fucking up right and buying new tools right. so it's like i'm getting a third of what i should be getting sure and i'm already undercharging. yeah he could get it you know less somewhere else no i agree i've seen your and work it, that's and your numbers. The, it's... the kind of games some of these auto restorer guys play that's that's mostly why i'm not interested in it anymore um it'll be good to see what you do in the future with motorcycles as yeah. well i'm really yeah. excited about that yeah it's um you know, and you're wide open. <laughs> this uh, this year is all about the classes, the right. bomber seats. Uh, the bomber seats were this, like the precursor to the Brocoma. Right. I I had this Tacoma, that was just this rolled, beat up, ugly truck, and I made this bomber seat, just because I wanted one. Right. Um, I threw it in there to check the ergonomics. So I drove the truck for several thousand miles to, yeah. to test it out. Yeah. Then I realized it would be better as a, well, not better, but I could sell more of them right? The as, as an office chair. Yeah. Like a restoration hardware looking, you know, it would oh, appeal to a lot of people. I could sell them to pilots. Yeah. World War II buffs, like not just hot rodders that want to. Yeah want a bomber seat for their car expand the market right it'd look terrible on a motorcycle they but would. they're awesome for everything else. exactly hmm. it might look good in the sidecar yeah that's true yeah. that's true i'll have to do the sidecar thing one day that's one thing i have not done yet mm-hmm. pretty exciting jake good to have you thank you yeah thanks jake, for all your support you. yeah thanks for all your sponsorship of thanks course. for all your inspiration i'm not gonna lie i might have signed a copy of one of my rough drafts for the paperback and given to Jake. He's just that good of a friend. So he's got a number two proof. <laughs> That's legit. I'm excited. <laughs> that thing will be worth a lot of money someday right now. Thanks for taking my signature on it too. It's always oh, good oh, to sign on. a book. <laughs> always good to sign a book. Don't forget we got a Patreon account. American Roadrunner, the podcast brought to you by Ride One K in a Day. 
check them out online the flying dutchman co check them out online and uh don't forget jake with the flying dutchman company he is on instagram of course but he also has one heck of a youtube so feel free to check it out and enjoy remember all our links you can find us on just about anywhere hope you enjoy the uh, music intro and exit this is good stuff brought to you by my friend ty zamora and the band meek <laughs>